turn with us to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms chapter 107. And we're going to uh, start reading in verse number 1. Psalms 107, verse number 1. While you're turning to your place there, we have been in this sermon series on biblical foundations. And we have been covering, we are not only have we covered, but we are going to be covering some of the uh, doctrinal uh, truths that uh, we preach, we believe. Uh, we've been looking at some of these things from the uh, aspect of not only what we believe, but why we believe it. And uh, we had started with the basis and the fact that all have sinned. And uh, we had worked our way through that. And then we have been looking here on the subject of all can be saved. And we had preached on the God of whosoever. And we had preached, been preaching here uh, in regards to what exactly... Uh, do we uh, testify of what exactly is being said when we declare that we have been born again? And so there's been three things that we're looking at. We've covered two, and tonight we're covering this third one. But we have preached on justification. Salvation has provided us justification. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And so we had been preaching on that. And then the propitiation the substitutionary work that Christ had done for us in regards of uh, by way of us being born again, we are only saved because Christ took our place. And uh, we were looking at uh, what does that mean and what, uh, how does that, should that affect us uh, as uh, being born again. And so tonight... We're going to conclude this particular uh, place in the sermon series uh, here on the subject of redemption. And uh, we're going to look here a little bit more closely uh, at this. And if you would, when you have your place there, can we all stand together, uh, if you would, tonight as we read the Word of God. Psalms 107, and we're going to start reading here in verse number 1. And uh, if you're there with me tonight, would you say amen? The Bible says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. Anybody believe that tonight? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Listen to this here. It says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Listen, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east, the west, the north, the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way. How many of you know there's still a wrong way and there's a right way? Amen. We're trying so hard in today's time to find an in-between somewhere. And I'll just tell you, it doesn't work that way. There's wrong and there's right. 
that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Can we pray one more time? Ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, I thank you once again, every heart and life represented. I thank you for your word, its truth, its power. And I pray that it go forth and that it rest in the hearts and the minds of your people tonight. Give us ears to hear. I pray, Lord, let our defenses be taken down. Excuses taken out of the way. We hear clearly your word that we're not only challenged by it, but we're changed by it. Anoint our hearts and ears to receive my mind and lips to preach. Lord, that in all things you're glorified. And we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. So here we are talking on the subject of redemption. As I have stated in the last couple of weeks, I think that sometimes we have become so very accustomed in times of sharing our testimony or maybe making the statement that, yes, I'm born again. Yes, I have been saved. And sometimes in stating that, we know that our sins have been forgiven. We know that uh, Christ uh, uh, rules and reigns in our hearts, that we have become a new creation. But we have been looking specifically at the significance of things that happen to our lives by way of being born again. We know that there is something that is supernatural that transpires. If you remember when Nicodemus came to Christ in the middle of the night, Nicodemus was a man who was well-versed in the things of the law of God. He was there serving in the Sanhedrin. As a matter of fact, he came to Christ in the middle of the night because he did not want to blow his cover. He did not want his peers to know that he had come to Christ. When he came to Christ, he addressed him and called Christ Rabboni. Which means master teacher. He said, I know that you, what you say is good. And I know what you say is true. And that what you say deals with the ways of eternal life. But he was asking, Brother Gary. He said, if I can paraphrase here. He said, how does one come to have this? And Christ begins to tell him of a supernatural work that has to take place. He said, unless a man be born again of the Spirit, amen, that there was no way that he could have eternal life. Nicodemus trying to think about what does this mean to be born again. He took it in a literal sense. He said, how am I a man supposed to go back into my mother's womb? What do you mean by this? And Christ began to discuss the supernatural things that take place in a man's heart and life when he is born again. I want you to understand tonight one of the reasons why we have spent some time on this is the fact that when we come to say and testify, and it is our testimony that Christ has saved us, I want you to understand that this is so much more than to be able to say, well, now I'm on my way to heaven. Is that true? Yes, it is true. We are now on our way to heaven. But salvation has provided us so much more than just a place in heaven. 
We have been born again, yes, so that we might have eternal life. The Word of God tells us that eternal life is the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, it is death. The payment for sin is always death. You cannot escape it. You cannot get around it. I, uh, I was reading an article. I was reading an article earlier uh, 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 last week, and, and this article was about uh, Irvin Magic Johnson. He is a NBA Hall of Famer, and he had played, uh, had a storied basketball career for the Los Angeles Lakers. And he has a son. He has a son that had uh, uh, come out as a transgender, and over the course of several years, he has been uh, what they use the term transgender into a woman and uh, this article they was talking about Magic Johnson uh, making the statement how proud he was now uh, of uh, uh, what he called now his daughter and uh, this statement that he made it shook me to the core because it is something that we hear it a lot right now in 2023 we hear it a lot to cover up to justify to give excuse for our sin but this is what he said about his son now deemed a daughter and he said you keep living your truth I want you to hear that I want you to let it sink in for a minute he said I'm proud of you you keep living your truth And Brother Jimmy, that tore me up on the inside. It tore me up on the inside. I've heard that statement. I have heard people and seen people use that proclamation. They will say things like, you do you, right? You do you. Live your truth. Be true to yourself. And we have made it almost like it's a motivational phrase, something to be proud of, something to wear as a badge of honor. But what it has only provided is a license for men and women in order to to just proclaim that I am in sin, I am bound by sin, I am living there, and in other words, I'm very proud of what I'm doing, and I don't care who says what or who declares what truth is, it is my truth. And friends, I want to tell you what a desperate and deadly mentality that it is. When we have reached a place, the Word of God said that in the days in which we live, the last days that we would have become so knowledgeable knowledge would abound everywhere there would be knowledge on every hand humanity is now deemed smarter than we've ever been we've got technology on every corner cars that can drive themselves different things and and uh, luxuries that we have because of the intellect of humanity uh, don't get me wrong I'm not speaking and saying that intellect is evil but But here's what the Bible said, that they would be ever learning, but that they would not know the truth. 
they would not, we would be so learned and we would be so educated and we would be so acclimated and we would have the applause of our peers and we would have the world's approval but we would be very far from truth and there are a lot of people who are doing just that they are living their truth and friends one of the reasons why we are spending time here on these subjects and for some you'd say pastor these things are elementary some of us been saved 30 40 50 60 years I know that's wonderful I'm glad that you have been but I want to tell you in the day in which we live we must and I'm going to keep saying this in the sermon series we have to keep going back to truth and it's not my truth and it's not your truth and it's not the politician's truth and it's not this special group's truth and it's not the school's truth but the only truth that matters the word of God says let all men be liars and God be true may our soul be shaken to the fact God get us back to the truth of your word What do you have to say about this? We're in trouble because we're too worried about what other people have to say. We're too worried about what others' opinions about us are. Amen. We are too distracted and we're too worried making sure that in our families, by religious traditions, by different groups, by different ones who might know us or know of us, we want their approval. And therefore, because we are seeking after men's approval, our truth is always shifting. Our truth is always out of alignment. And that's why God's word said, men are liars. Let all men be liars. You say, well, Brother Jacob, that sounds harsh. However, it is the truth because we tend in our humanity to direct our truth based upon what is convenient at the moment. And I will tell you the word of God and the truth of God's word. It has stood the test of time. It has always proven true. It has always proven right. We may not like it. It may not always feel good. It may not always be convenient. It's hard on the conscience. It'll deal and pierce the heart. The Bible said the word of God. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It gets down to the joint and the marrow. It'll scrape the walls of your heart. And church, can I tell you, if we're going to have a move of God, if we're going to see revival, if we're going to see lives changed and men and women really born again, it must be by the truth of how God's Word says we must be born again. Amen. Amen. Understand that when we talk about this supernatural gift that God has given, we cannot treat it lightly. The Word of God gives us the caution. As the Word said, work out your own salvation, but do so with fear and trembling. People have watered that verse down to give them a right to do whatever they want to do. Well, I'm working out my own salvation. But what does that mean? We work it out in accordance to the will of God and what God's Word says. And when we find in the Word of God, we've preached here over the last few weeks, 
weeks upon this subject of salvation, I want you to understand if there is one lie of hell, if there is one thing the enemy wants, first of all, he wants many to believe that you don't even have to be saved. Come on here. You don't have to be saved. You're good enough. We've dealt with that. That's why we, we started with all have sin. Before you can ever be saved, before you know that you have need of a Savior, you have to come to the fact to know that you are lost, to know that you have sinned, and to know that you can't do this on your own and in yourself. But when we look at this, we must understand is that not only does the enemy want people to believe that they are fine, they don't have to be saved. That's ludicrous. That's old school. That's traditional. That's, you know, that's, the, that's the, what the old timers say, whatever the case might be. The enemy wants to dismiss and negate the need in our lives for salvation. I want to tell you this is because there's something to be said of the fact that we are sitting in this sanctuary tonight. We are saved. But I will tell you is that even the, the, the people in this building that love would, could say they love God the most. It is a hard thing when you are looking at people you love. And I'm just going to tell you right where the rubber meets the road. It can be a significant other. It can be a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad, your grandchildren, your children, whatever the case might be, it is a hard thing when we are looking at people and we know, Brother Eli, that they're lost, we know they're not living right, and that if God were to come back, they would miss the rapture, or if they were to die today, they would miss heaven. That is a hard thing to process. It hurts the heart. It grieves the mind. And therefore, if we're not careful, we will excuse Away, the need for the people we love to be saved. Because that sounds too harsh. That sounds too hard. I can't, I can't come to grips with the thought that this one or that one or this one or that one would step into eternity without God. And so therefore, we find that even the very elect are deceived. And we will make excuses and we will say, think, well, you know, that they're pretty good. Well, they just don't. Well, there's this. I'm just going to tell you. You're either lost or you're saved. You're lost or you're saved. When I am saved, I've been justified. I've been brought into a right standing with God. I've been made righteous. Not because of me, but because he took care of that account. He made a way for me. So again, it points back to the fact that it's because of Christ. He was my propitiation. He made an appeasement with the Father. The Word of God said without the, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So Christ came to do what we could not do. And that's where I was saying last week that we need to recognize one more time what Christ has done for us. When that really sinks in, when we really understand what these 
these ladies were singing about tonight about the blood and about a Savior that not only died but rose again about the fact that the power of that blood is still touching and changing hearts tonight can I tell you the devil could care less about if you're sitting in this house or if you can sing the songs or you pay your tithe and offering but what he wants to keep you away from is the power and the truth of what the blood of Jesus can do I want to tell you tonight when we really grab a hold of what Christ has done for us it'll change the way that you live it'll change the way that you worship it'll change the way that you serve it'll change the priorities of your life you will come to say Lord you gave your life for mine and now I'm giving my life to you what would happen what benefit if a man gains the whole world but loses a soul when we come to realize and hold Christ in high regard and recognizing and remembering what he has done for us what he does for us every day not just what he had done but what he does even today you see because by the way of salvation because of his death his resurrection and him ascended into the heavens at the right hand of the Father, we find now that, Brother Segura, we have, excuse me, a high priest. He is moved with the feelings of our infirmities. He has compassion upon us. He intercedes on our behalf. What's that mean, Sister Linda? He prays for us. He pleads for us. Amen. Oh, I don't want to be ashamed of him because the Word of God says, Brother Matthew, if I'm ashamed of him, he would be ashamed of me. If I don't confess him before men, then he would not confess me before the Father. I'll tell you something tonight. You have been born again more uh, for something more than just to sit around with this attitude in the church today of a bless me mentality you have been saved for more than having bigger cars and more land and a wardrobe full of clothes you've been saved for something more than having a bunch of zeros following after a number in your bank account you have been saved for more than to tote and tout and brag about your church membership or where you attend or how big our building is or how pretty things are around here or who your pastor you've been saved for more than just sitting around looking pretty patting ourselves on the back I'm telling you he bled and died for me and for you and hell and death have been destroyed by him I want to live in the full capacity of the power of God I have been redeemed Amen. And the word of God said, Therefore let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on here. Can I tell somebody in this house, we as a church for too long have sat by in corners. We've sat quiet on our pews. We've sat on our hands. We've closed our lips. There's no praise. There's no worship. There's no power. Because somewhere we forgot we've been redeemed. But the word of God said, here the psalmist declared, you'd better let somebody know you've been redeemed if you've been redeemed you better say something about it you better be living it you better be walking it you'd better be talking it you'd better
right. I'm here to tell you, church, this is more than playing patty cake spiritually. I have been born again, and I want all of the world to know it, and I want hell to know it, that I've been washed in the blood. I've been purchased by the power of God. I am redeemed. Come on here. Somebody right now is getting uncomfortable. Oh, well, good golly shucks. That, isn't that a little bit arrogant? Isn't that a little bit? Let me tell you something. When they can come and they can stand and they can wave their flag. Listen, let me tell you something. They don't own June. They don't own. This ain't Pride Month. Come on here. I know they can say what they want to. They can float their flags and they can pump their fist. And I don't care who it is. It can be Cracker Bell, Target, Walmart. I don't care who it is. One month out of the year, they're all going to be homosexual. And the rest of the year, they're going to try to cater and do all these things. I'm going to tell you something. We have reached a pinnacle. We have reached a climax in our country. And we're sitting around silent while those full of the devil and deceived by hell itself are Proudly marching, proudly declaring, proudly saying, we got pride. I'm here to tell you, I know the world says, and they say, I'm narrow-minded, I'm a stick in the mud. And if they'd have their way, Sister Carmen, they'd shut me down. They'd turn the camera off, and they'd lock the door. They can be proud that they're LGBTQ, elemental P, whatever it is. But I'm going to tell you, I am R-E. D-E-E-M-E-D I I have been redeemed oh way too but we too busy I just can't believe that I can't believe that I know I know it's disgusting I know it's sad I know all of those things but I'm here to tell you We need to remember. We need to remember. A part of the reason why we can't be proud of what God has done in us is because the church of today, we have become stagnant in the fact we're redeemed on Sunday, but we're living lost on Monday. Amen, Brother Jake. Okay. I'm in deep. I mean, I'm up. I'm up chest deep right now. So I might as well go ahead. Listen, we are too busy. We are too busy making our proclamations, making our show. Church has become pageantry. We come in and we sing our songs and we do our things. But we can't be really proud. We can't really uh, give a disclaimer of the fact that well, there's some of us, there's some, there's some that if your co-workers knew you'd be saved, they'd, they'd kind of drop their jaw because maybe they hear the way you talk and carry on at work. Maybe they see some things that your pastor don't see. Maybe some things your family sees. I'm going to tell you right now. It doesn't matter what name you carry. It doesn't matter where you go to church. It doesn't matter those kinds of things. When we'd go, we'd take our youth. We'd go to different places. Before they leave the van, I'll say, you remember who you are, what you represent, and who you represent. You represent Jesus first, and you represent your pastor second. I said, and you don't want to embarrass me. 
or I will embarrass you. Oh, I know, there's some mamas and daddies. Your feelings are hurt right now. I'm sorry. But I'm going to tell you something. As we've reached this place that too many in the church, we can't, even, we can't even proudly declare that we've been redeemed because our lives aren't lining up with it in the in-between. Still walking around bound. Still walking around with bad habits. Still walking around. you still got the smell of death on you when you've been declaring that you've been born again. Listen, to be redeemed, I want to just share with you this simple definition. To be redeemed means to recover ownership by paying the specified sum. Recovering ownership by paying the specified sum. I want you to remember tonight some of the things. I want you to listen here what the word of God says about the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Can I tell you this? And I know this don't set well in the church of 2023. But if you're not serving God... If you're not serving God, you're serving the devil. Well, hang on. I'm not, I'm not playing with Ouija boards and burning candles and sacrificing cats. And we, we, get, we, get, we get all... Listen, you've got a Hollywood idea of witchcraft. Do you, know, do you want to know what the Bible says is the beginning and the root of witchcraft? Rebellion. Plain and simple. We're all worried about witches and warlocks and demonic activity. I'll tell you what's demonic. It's rebellion. It's when you refuse to submit yourself under the hand of God. It's when we think we're above the law. It's when we think it, God's word don't apply to us. It's when we think nobody will ever know. It's when we think nobody will ever find out. It's when we believe the lies of the enemy. And we think that we can do this and still be this. I'm going to tell you something. The Word of God says that Christ came to redeem us out of the hand of the enemy. There are some folks, now listen, I understand what your testimony is. There are some that should testify the fact that you were an addict, that you were hooked on drugs, that maybe there was different things going on in your life and your mind. Maybe you was about to go crazy. Maybe your emotions were everywhere. And a lot of times we look and we point to the signs and the symptoms and the problems of sin. And yes, they've grabbed a hold of our lives yes they were like parasites yes we were in bondage but I'll tell you at the end of the day brother uh, Chris the problem is this is that we find in today's time we are wanting too desperately to just to try to say well this is my problem my problem is alcohol my problem is prescription meds my problem is meth my problem is adultery my problem is lying my problem is this I'll tell you the Bible didn't specify any of those things He said Christ came and he paid 
paid the ultimate price and he recovered ownership of you and I. And it didn't say he recovered ownership from the alcohol or recovered ownership from the drug house or recovered ownership from adultery. He said, but I went in there and pulled you out of the hand of the enemy. We don't call it like it is anymore. Those things are sins and symptoms, yes. But when you are living in such a way, you are under the hand of the enemy. He has robbed you of your dignity. He has robbed you of your ability. He has robbed you of your potential. But I'm so glad no matter how beat down, broken, disgusted, bruised and beat up somebody is, how many pig pens he drug you through, Christ said, I still see value in you. I still love you. And I'm going to recover you out of the hand of the enemy. I'm going to pull you out of the pits of hell. And I'm going to pay the price so that you might be saved. See, we don't use terms like the Bible tells us anymore. That sounds too scary. That sounds too serious, Brother Jacob. It is serious. That sounds too... That's, that's, that's too... Excited. That, that, that's too extreme. I was telling somebody just before service tonight, God already beginning to deal with me about some things we're going to be preaching later. But one of the things that's come up in my mind is this word extreme. And we have villainized that word. Do you, do you got to be such an extreme Christian? Do you got you to worship in such an extreme way? Is it really, I was asked one time, is it really necessary to preach like that? It may not be for others, but it is for me. If I try to keep all this bottled up, I'd just blow up everywhere. It wouldn't be pretty. Is it, I mean, don't you think it's extreme that you pay your tithe to the church? Couldn't you be doing other things with that money? Don't you think it's extreme? I mean, you go to church three days a week. Oh, my word. What in the world? You are extreme. You pray. You read the Bible. You fast. You are extreme. And we've gotten to the point where everybody's like, oh, I don't want to be called extreme. That's weird. I'm a, I'm a, I'd be a weirdo. I, I'd be this. You know what Peter said? He said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Do you know what peculiar means? It's a nice way of saying you're a weirdo. So long before the world started saying, you're weird and you're extreme. I'll tell you what's extreme. Extreme is running past the gospel. Extreme is ignoring the voice of God. Extreme is saying, I would rather hell than heaven. Extreme is making a declaration to say, I think I know what's best. And I think I know what's right. Let them say we're extreme. Let them think what they will. But I'm going to tell you this. We'd better get back to extreme. We'd better get back to business we'd better get back to being redeemed and living like it and knowing what it means oh because otherwise we make too much room for a way out we make too much room for the enemy to come in sow seeds of disillusionment despondency if he can get you to lose the importance of what it is to be redeemed. He said they have redeemed, he redeemed them out of the hand 
of the enemy. Some of us know right now the enemy has a chokehold on some of those that we love. He's got a chokehold. Their mind is in a fog. Their eyes are blind. We sang the song tonight and that's where we, that's where we come to use the term I once was blind but now I see the scales fell off and I took a look and I began to really see who I was and understand that I needed the grace of God understand that I needed his help that I needed to be redeemed I want you to understand tonight not only did he redeem us from the hand of the enemy that's who from whom we were redeemed Listen to this. I want to tell you that there is where have you been redeemed? Where? Now, why is this significant? Because, Brother Segura, it says this. He gathered them out of lands from the east, the west, the north, and the south. I'm going to tell you something. There were some of us, we were in lands so far separated from God that there were some people who didn't think we could be reached. Hear me. There are some of us tonight that you've got loved ones and they are in lands, in places. And you wonder, can God reach them where they are? The thing that's beautiful about redemption, the thing that is beautiful of where we have been redeemed from is the fact that it shows this, is that the currency that Christ has paid, what is that currency? It is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is not limited to, it is not limited or to confine to just a particular place, a particular people, a particular moment or situation. I want you to understand is that no matter matter where we are, no matter who we love, where they are, no matter where it is. Listen, I have seen folks uh, that could run as far away as they could. Did you know, I want you to remember the story, there was a prophet by the name of Jonah. And what did God tell Jonah? He said, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he said, I want you to preach to them. They weren't even Jews. And so Jonah, he was highly, he was highly offended. He was offended that God would even send him that direction. And so the Bible says that Jonah, in his efforts to get away from God, he got on a ship to go down to Tarshish. Matter of fact, Brother Torbert preached a couple weeks back, it's either God's will or your whale. Amen. God will send a whale in order to get you and to gobble you up to get you back in the middle of his will. But I want you to understand, Brother Gary Tarshish was a representative of the fact it was as far away from Nineveh that Jonah could get and I can tell you that no matter how far somebody runs if God's got to send a fish if God's got to send a co-worker if God's got to send a family member oh I've done told you before I never dreamed in a million years I was surprised as I could be when my mother called me and she said Aaron Ray just took a job in Beaumont he's going to be in church this coming Sunday I thought what in the world I had no idea that Aaron Ray is going to be here and so come to find out Aaron he had been looking he had been searching he had been running and here God put him right in the middle of Beaumont right in the middle of the place where God could do a work
work. That reminds me, Brother Eli, that the redemptive work of Calvary, that lets me know the currency of the blood of Jesus. It can reach you right where you are. Brother Matthew, it'll find you in the UK. You thought you just on a normal sales call. You thought you just talking to another business professional until Jerry began to say, if you were to die today, what would eternity look like for you? Matthew stood up here and said, I've never been asked a question like that. But God in his omnipotent power will reach and the currency of the cross will go from the UK to Beaumont to Vider to Orange to Africa and China from the north, south, east and west. It don't matter which pig pen you're in. The currency of the blood will reach you right where you are. Hallelujah. So they were in lands. In other words, we were a scattered people. Scattered, doing our own thing. And God said, my currency will do good there. My blood can reach there. My blood can reach here. My blood can do there. If I were to go to Mexico, Brother Michael, and I were to take $20 and I were to convert that into pesos, that would only work in Mexico. When I came back to the States, I could march into H-E-B and I could have a basket full of groceries. And they'd say, sir, that in today's time, that's going to be $1,566. Did anybody else grocery shop like we did? I tell you, I told my wife the other day, I said, I think we're going to take on a whole lot more fasting around here. <laughs> Amen. But if I were to walk into H-E-B, Sister Debbie, and they told me that amount, and I said, well, looky here. And I pulled out of my pocket, and I threw down all them pesos. They'd look at me like, what kind of planet are you from? What in the world are you doing? You know what they'd tell me, Brother Eli? Your money is no good here. Your currency doesn't work here. Come on here. I know you know where I'm going, but for the white folks, the blood still works. For the black folks, the blood still works. For the Chinese and the Hispanic and the Indians and the whatever and the where's ever and the men and the women and the boys and the girls, whether you're eight or whether you're 108, when Christ says, hang on, I showed up and I came to pay the bill. I came to pay the price. And Brother Scott, he lays out his hands and no matter where he is and no matter who they are and no matter what they've done, no matter the skin color, no matter their socioeconomic status, every single time the enemy has to shrink back and he says that currency is good, the blood still works, I can't do anything with that, you can have them because the currency of the cross is still powerful today because no matter where we are. The blood always works. I'm out of time. From whom the enemy? From where? Everywhere. What was the condition? Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you'd come. He said that they wondered. 
they wandered in barren places. Remember what it was like when you were lost? No purpose. No plan. Wandering around. You was wandering around and you was getting in from in one situation to the next. Wandering around and you found one relationship only to jump into another relationship. You found one drug only to get another drug. You had one hobby only to pick up another hobby. No purpose. He said not only did they have no purpose, he said, but they were dry and thirsty. Couldn't be satisfied. Couldn't be satisfied. He said they were weeping and they were hurting. But I love what the scripture says. It says, then they cried unto the Lord. You see, in our sin-sick state, there's not a whole lot, Sister Sheila, that we can do. We're in a pit so deep and we're in a prison so hard. Can't get your way out of it on your own. But Brother Eli, what you can do is cry. What you can do is pray the greatest prayer that can ever be prayed. Lord, save me. Save me. And when that happens, Brother Stanley, justification steps in the door. Christ, the propitiation, steps in. Redemption steps in. All the bases have been covered. All the penalties paid. All of the chains have to be loosed. All of the charges have to be dismissed. All of the pain can be erased. I'm so glad. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Are you glad tonight to be redeemed? To be redeemed. Father, I thank you once again for your people. I thank you for your word. And Lord, tonight I pray that our hearts be challenged. I pray, God, you convict and deal with us. Lord, there's a lot of things. If we're not careful, we're looking after our truth. We're dismissive of sin. There's things where we find ourselves, if we're not careful, we're scattered, we're afraid, we're lost. Wandering, aimless, dry, thirsty. But Lord, salvation has been provided for all to be experienced by whosoever will. And Lord, you've given us something to be proud of, not in and of ourselves, because it wasn't us. But we rejoice and we say so because of you. The psalmist said, because your mercy endureth forever. Lord, I pray, help us to live, to walk, to testify, to show forth the redemption power of the cross. 
every day in our lives. Let us uphold with great reverence the work that you did for us. Not take it lightly. Not take it for granted. Father, I pray challenge our hearts tonight. If you're here, church, you'd say, Brother Jake, first, I want to thank God that I've been redeemed. Secondly, I want to walk in the power of redemption, knowing that he paid the price, his precious blood. He saved me. He redeemed me, justified me. He was my propitiation. And tonight, I want, to, I want every place of my life submitted to him. I want to serve him. I want his power at work in my home and in my heart. Can we come and find ourselves a place to pray before we leave this house? Can we come and find ourselves a place in these altars? Can we come tonight and say, Lord, I want to thank you for redemption. Lord, I want to give you praise. You pulled me out. I was scattered. I was all over the place. But Lord, the blood has reached me where I was. You pulled me out of the hand of the enemy. Lord, you've saved me. You've healed me. You've helped me. Lord, let me live it. Let it be a testimony in my life. Lord, let me show it every day that I live. Let me hold it in high regard. Go ahead, Sister Carolyn. Learn that Jesus shared.